kings and kingdoms will pass away. Most of them have already passed away. Just a few left. They shall also pass away. But there is something about that name. On that note, we will begin. The name of Jesus. The name above all names. And we have gathered in his name. And he promises us, if two or three gather in my name, I'll be in your midst. Oh, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for that name. That you have given us that name. That freely we can use that name. We can come together in that name. We can rebuke powers of darkness in that name. Signs and wonders follow when we use that name. Nations are shaken. Thrones are shaken when that name is a third Lord. Oh, Father, we just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. The blessedness of that name. To be baptized in that name. To hide in that name. For your word says the righteous. Run and hide in that name. So today, Father, in that name, the power and the authority of that name, I speak today. And I pray your people will receive your word today. I pray the unction will be released in that name. To hear, to believe, to obey, to understand. For chains to be broken. Age-old yokes to be broken. For even the children, for them to be stirring in their spirits. Oh, Father, speak to us today. Teach us, Lord. Teach us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Are you ready? We've been looking at, from the book of Titus, the epistle to Paul's troubleshooter. And we saw in chapter 2 and verse 1, But for you, as for you, speak things which are proper for sound doctrine. The importance of sound doctrine in our life. It's only when the going gets tougher. The world says the tough gets going. It's not those tough who gets going. Those who have sound doctrine, keeps on going. Okay, Doctrine matters in life. What you believe that matters in your life, ultimately. Okay, Because the word of God says in the last days, many will fall away from the faith. They started, but they didn't complete. They didn't finish well because of the lack of soundness in what they believed. In verse 15, Paul will tell to Titus and therefore to all of us, speak these things, exhort, rebuke with all authority, and let no one despise you. So I told you, when you come to church, especially on a day like this, Saturdays, Wednesdays, Sundays for us, when you come to church, it's a classroom. You come prepared to learn. That means if you know how to read and write, write, you need to have a notebook and a pen. 
or at least your app on which you can take it down. It's fine. I write in my app now. I don't know how I started, but I do. <laughs> but I do. Okay, because I found <laughs> that sometimes all you have is your mobile with you and you cannot wait to reach home to write it down. You better before you forget. So you will see me on the road standing and writing. Okay. Because I thank God for only sometimes this fellow rebukes me. Because yesterday told me you walk lesser today than the previous day. Okay, so when, when apps when apps start talking to you, you know, you don't feel so good. But remember, when you come to church, come to learn, come prepared. Your mind's prepared, your heart's prepared. You no, know, and it starts in the morning, like you no, know, the, the privilege of life. God give us life one more day in the land of the living. We just thank God for life. We thank God we have breath. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise God. Listen to music. Worship not music. Worship music. Listen to a word. Cleanse your mind. Let the word of God sanctify your word. And then come over and God will teach you. Because the church is the classroom. And the Holy Spirit is the teacher. Jesus was the teacher. The apostles were all teachers. But primarily the Holy Spirit is introduced to us as a teacher. The anointing teaches us all things. And we have only one textbook. It's called the Bible. Only one textbook. It is called the Bible. Of course, it has 66 different books, but one book. And what is the subject? In Matthew 4 and verse 23, the teacher of all teachers, the great teacher, introduces the subject. Jesus went about all Galilee. See, teaching in their synagogues. Preaching, teaching and preaching. We'll have a mixture of both today. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Okay. The subject is the kingdom of God. Okay. We are being prepared here how to live in the kingdom. We are being prepared for eternity. The eternity is the kingdom of God. Eternity is the kingdom of God. Okay, be prepared. Okay, for a, for a second before I start, okay, for a second. Remember, we all lived in India. We still live in India. We all use public transport. And you know the gap between seats is very little in the public transport. So the first row, move a little. Second row, move a little. And third row, move a little. And you can have space for a fourth row over there. Okay? We are Indians. We never stretched our hands in our government buses. Okay? <laughs> We all grew up. Remember how we ran, how we learned to run? The transport drivers taught us out. You know? You know what they used to say? There was hardly any move to any space to move. But you know what the, the conductor said in Kerala? There is enough place to play football. Keep moving, keep moving. Okay? So we have enough you know, we can adjust. Okay, we are good at adjusting. Indians, okay? So remember. So now coming back, remember what the subject is. We are being prepared for the kingdom of God right now. Not one day, right now. The minute you get saved, the kingdom of God comes in. The king comes in, along with him comes the kingdom of God. So the teaching, primary teaching in the kingdom, primary teaching is the teaching of the kingdom of God. So don't forget, forget the subject. Why is it important is because the kingdom, the life is eternal life. It's not temporary life. It is eternal life. And the learning begins now. We are being prepared to go to a prepared place. So last few sessions which I took, especially if I'm right on Saturday and Sunday, maybe Wednesday too, we saw the criteria that is needed 
to become a leader in the church, for leadership in the church. And I told you, almost 99% of the leaders today in the world, whether they're political leaders or industry leaders, of any branch of the government or in the secular private sphere, would definitely be disqualified to take a position of leadership in the church. Okay, why is it so? Because God is preparing his people for positions in the kingdom of God. Okay, he wouldn't demand something like that if the reward wasn't so great. And to every church in the book of Revelation, the promise that is given is unbelievable. Even to the final lost, practically lost church, he said, if you overcome as I overcame and sat on my father's throne, you too shall sit on my throne and reign with me forever. So understand what God is offering. Don't just get be satisfied by saying, I am saved and I'm going to heaven. Okay? Don't. Okay? Don't. So be very, very careful. Okay? Because we are being prepared for a royal administrative service. Literally. Which will last forever. That's eternity. Forever and ever. And the only thing that matters is on that day when we are evaluated, not for our salvation, but whether we are worthy to serve God in eternity at whatever position he gives, whether we will be told, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not just enter into my joy. Everybody will enter into his joy, but take charge. Take charge. In Revelation 22, verse 3 and 4 Okay, the final chapter says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. His servant shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their forehead. His servant shall serve him forever and ever, seeing his face, and his their name, his name will be there on their forehead. This is what we are running for. Lord, I just don't want to serve you from far away. I want to serve you as close as I can get. Close. That's why Nehemiah is so important. Why? Because he sees the king's face. And the king sees his face. He's a king's cupbearer. I mean, he has the king's heart. He trusts him with his life. He may trust others for their counsel, but this man, he trusts him with his life. And therefore, when his face is a little downcast, the king sees, hey, why are you downcast today? So how close is he to the king that the king knows this man so well and can see a change of expression and understand the expression is because there is something troubling him. That is what it means. One day we can be so close to the king if we run our race well. So when you come to the king house of God, remember you're coming to learn of the king and the kingdom. You're running a race and the rewards are incredible. That's why we need to be taught and we need to have an aim, an objective target in life. And on Saturday we saw one of the most important lessons we need to be in a position of leadership in the church, therefore eternity, is self-control. Because it holds everything together. Remember, we need to be taught about everything. Because there is a fake in the world of everything that is true in the kingdom of God. There's a fake in the world. The fruit of the spirit is love, peace. There's a fake love. And there's a true love. So we have to be taught. There's a fake peace. And there is a true peace. There's everything the devil creates a fake. And we have swallowed the fake. And we believe in the fake. I'm talking about the people of God. And we are miserable. 
We are miserable because we have swallowed the fake. And we have to be taught the true. And we have to learn to walk in the truth. And one of the most important things because of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, everything is ultimately held together by self-control. And we do not have control over ourselves. Ourselves, especially our words, above all our words. That's why this says the man who does not stumble in his word is a perfect man. He can literally correct, control his life. Okay, and Jesus says that there was no deceit found in his mouth. He was a perfect man, not one word out of place. Okay, now that's why we repent, we ask the Spirit of God to teach us, and we try to walk before God blameless and move towards perfection. On Sunday, we saw the hope or the power of the hope of eternal life. Okay, like I said yesterday. If you enter government service at the age of 25, you retire at 60. For state government, 55. So you get, if you enter at 25, you get 30 years of service or 35 years of service. And for 30 or 35 years of service, you go through 20 years of rigorous education. Especially imagine you have reached, let us say, administrative service. The amount of time and study for just 30 years of service. Yet when we are born again, and God is calling us to serve him forever, we think half an hour on a Sunday is enough, and we will just get into royal administrative service. And I'm talking about us. We're talking about God's people. And we Christian parents. The amount of stress we put up on our children to excel in the world and the amount of complacency we show about the kingdom of God should put, make us ashamed. Make us ashamed. Okay. Because the characteristics that is needed to serve. That's what I said. It is not your marks that matter. I keep telling you. It is how you got it. And how you worked. All those things are what matter to God. It is not marks. Marks can be got in different ways. But how did you reach that place? Those things God looks. Those things God looks. So please remember. Because we are going to serve him forever and ever. So we need to get our doctrine sound. So that our hope is real. You can have a false hope. Our hope should be absolutely real, like Paul. When he's writing those early letters, it's not real. He's not sure yet. But when he writes his final letter, he's absolutely sure. He knows it's over. It's finished. I've done it. I got it. I got it. You know, you remember, English is a different matter, okay? But math. After you come out of the math exams, we fellows, you know, are scratching our heads. And there is this Nambudri sitting next, you know, standing on you know, Nambudri, you know, I had this friends. And he will say, he said, what happened, Nambudri? I think I'll get only 99 and a half. <laughs> we ought to just smack those guys. Absolutely sure, 100 of 99, I think I lost half a mark here. Now Paul is not even talking about, he says 100, I'll get the crown of righteousness. I've reached the pinnacle of the righteousness expected by God. And I can be very sure, I'll get my crown. 
Okay, so our hope should be real. On earth, two things motivate man, the fallen man. One is money, the other is power. Two things motivate man. One is money. First, everybody runs after money because money is equal to power. And once you got enough money, then you run after power. Use money to get even more power. So we will look at the criteria. Because money is big. You cannot escape it. Whether you are a believer or unbeliever, you cannot escape it. Because we all need money. So you cannot escape it. So money is the biggest test for the believer. One of the biggest tests is money. So let us look at what the Bible says in Titus 1.7. Leadership. 1 Timothy 3.3 and 1 Timothy 3.8. A bishop must be blameless. A steward of God. Not self-willed. Not quick-tempered. Not given to wine. Not violent. Not greedy for money. So if you look at the whole thing, you will see he needs to be self-controlled about money too. But let's look at he should not be greedy for money. Okay. So there is no money in heaven. But have you dealt with money on earth? will determine how you end up in heaven. Not greedy for money. First Timothy 3.3 3. Not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. Okay, this is for overseers. Deacons, elders, 3.8 Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to too much wine, not greedy for money. Everywhere Qualification written for any position in the church. One thing is mentioned. Be careful about money. Don't be greedy for money. Don't be greedy for money. Okay. So, today we're going to look at, be very careful. We need to be very sure our doctrine is sound. First Timothy 4, six. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. I want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ because I want to instruct the brethren about these things. Nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Okay? So I'm instructing. Basically, you're not learning something new. But you are reminding you. So there are different things in the Bible. We need knowledge, we need wisdom, we need revelation, and we need remembrance. We need remembrance. We need to go back and to be reminded of fundamental things over and over again because we tend to forget. That's our issue. We tend to forget. Okay, We tend to forget. So we need to go back and bring to our remembrance things which truly, truly matter in eternity. Okay? So, today there is not much revelation but much remembrance. Because I want to be a good minister of Jesus. In Luke 16, verse 13 to 15, is the context on which we're going to look at an incident. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other. Or else he will be loyal to the... Did I give you the paper? Yeah. Uh, be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot. It's not may not. It's not will not. It's not shallow. You cannot. Simply. If God says you cannot, 
You cannot. Don't even try it. No, maybe I am an exception. No, you are not. You cannot serve God and mammon. Money, gain. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things and they derided him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourself before men, but God knows your heart. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Money is highly estimated among men. Truly, it's highly estimated. Even Christians estimate people who have money. It's a sad thing. It's a wrong estimate, but it's highly estimated. Even the latest marital matrimonial columns, no? Born again, spirit-filled, vaccinated. <laughs> That's the latest one, vaccinated. Huh? Yeah, you have to see both COVID shield, both vaccination. Okay, vaccinated and five-figure salary. Figure is also mentioned. Four-figure, five-figure, no? What is highly estimated among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Okay? So this is the context Jesus is making very clearly. It is impossible. It is, it is impossible. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. You will have to choose. And ultimately people will choose. It doesn't matter how long you have walked with Jesus. These are decisions which have to be made right in the beginning. Not sometime down the road. Because sometimes down the road, you will like Judas, leave Jesus and go with money. Leave Paul like Demas and go with money. Okay? So make this very, very clear. Make this determination. Cry out to God every day, Lord. Guard my heart from mammon. You give me what I need. I'm, I'm satisfied. You give me, you know me better than I know myself. But guard my heart. Protect my Lord. If you know that I will stumble over mammon, don't prosper me. Don't prosper me. Prosper me on the other side where I am safe. Don't prosper me on this side. Okay? Men of God, saints of men have prayed very brave prayers before God. Saying, Lord, you know me better than you. So now I know I can handle it. Most of those people are drunkards now because they said I can handle it. And the problem, the truth is that none of us can handle it. So go with God. Listen to God. Then he follows this with a story because Jesus is an incredible teacher. He will give you a text. He will give you a principle, a doctrine and tell you a story. The story I believe is real. This is not a story. This is probably... One of the most sober stories ever told by Jesus, which make you sit up and be watchful. He said to them, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was, the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. 
and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. You are only looking at that much, you are not looking at the rest. Luke 16 and verse 19. And there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Paul said if any other man or anybody else, even he himself or an angel, preaches another gospel, two times he says, let him be cursed. There's only one gospel. And if we preach any other gospel and we receive any other gospel, both the preacher and the hearer who receive is cursed. If you listen to these big guns on TV, the big ones, the name it, claim it group, the prosperity preachers, you would think they are talking about chapter 19 is a fulfillment of the gospel. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple, fine linen, and fared sumptuously. This is the end of the gospel. This is the gospel. Yes, that is the gospel. Honestly, if you listen to them, I'm not naming names. I can if you want. I'm not upset about naming names. Joy Lawson, D.D. Jakes, Joyce Mayer, Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, T.B. Joshua, every one of them. Every one of them. This is the gospel that preach. If you listen to this gospel and if you read only 16, 19, you would think this is the fulfillment of the gospel. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple, fine linen, and fed sumptuously every day. The rich man had everything and lives the lifestyle that is promised by this group, the prosperity preachers, the health and wealth gospel. We are not talking about the hardworking group. They that through hard work, through righteousness and thrift and integrity and giving have prospered. We are not talking about that. It's another group in the Bible. Okay. Where God has prospered them and they have never allowed prosperity to corrupt their souls. Where they have held wealth as a sacred trust by God to dispense as the spirit leads them. We are not talking about them. Okay, We are talking about another crowd. The rich man dresses the way we want to dress. He eats the way we long to eat. He lives the lifestyle we long and yearn for. Rich, healthy, well-fed and comfortable. He says purple, we say designer law. Fine linen. Right? Designer. Everything has to be designer. I mean, don't say you don't long it. This is the lifestyle that has been sold to us. If God has really blessed you, this is how you should live. And there was a rich man, clothed in purple, fine linen, fed sumptuously. Every day. Every day. So it's a lifestyle. And we've been sold to this lifestyle. And then verse 20, <coughs> there was Lazarus. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of swords was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. 
Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And then there was Lazarus. Okay, so God is, Jesus is talking. It's a rich man. There is Lazarus. And verse 22. <clears throat> and it was that the beggar died. And the rich man also died. It was interesting, right? Suddenly death came. <clears throat> and death is just a doorway to eternity. And there is a reversal. Complete, complete reversal. We talked about hope on Sunday. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 to 5. Therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, we also exult in tribulations. By the way, the rich man had no tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings perseverance. So if you don't have tribulation, you cannot have perseverance. It just doesn't come like that. Perseverance is a result of going through faith through tribulation. Perseverance. And perseverance, if you pursue till the end, you have proven character. And proven character, hope. And that hope does not disappoint. Okay? So remember, death is just a doorway. And it can come to anyone, anytime. Don't please misunderstand. Lazarus was not taken by the angels to Abraham's bosom because he was poor. He can be poor and be in hell too. James chapter 2 verse 5 says, It's not enough to be poor. Listen, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? So, what is important is, are you rich in faith? Are you rich in faith? And faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. That is that simple thing. Are you listening to the word of God? Are you reading the word of God? Otherwise, you are just wasting your time and wasting your life. So it doesn't matter what your estate, state of estate on earth is. The only thing that matters is, are you rich in faith? You can be poor like Lazarus. You cannot go become any poorer than that. Because Jesus described Lazarus. He's the poorest of the poor. But he was rich in faith. When you are rich in faith, it will show, even if you are a rich person, if you are rich in faith, it will show in your attitude to wealth, to riches. In First Timothy chapter 6, 17 to 19, command those who are rich in this present age. If you are rich in the church, it's not advice, it's a command. And that's why Paul tells Tim Titus, rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. It's a command to the rich within the body of Christ who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to end. Don't put your trust in your riches. Put your trust and hope in the Lord. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, 
storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Remember the hope of eternal life. You have to lay hold on of it. Eternal life is not living forever. Whether you are in heaven or hell, you will live forever. In the lake of fire, you will burn forever and ever. In the presence of God, you will live forever and ever. It's not that. It is the quality of life you are going to grab hold of. Where are you going to live? How are you going to live in eternity? Now suddenly for two people, Mr. Richman and Lazarus, eternity has begun. But the problem is eternity cannot be reversed. Time can be. When you are living on earth, in this time, you can even make the shadow go backwards. You can make the sun stop. God can give you all the years the locusts have eaten. Eternity cannot be reversed. That's why the Spirit of God says, when it is today, do not harden your heart. Today. Today. You cannot reverse anything in eternity. It is set. It is appointed unto every man to die once, and it is judgment. It is set. So what is better? Has your foot slipped from the path of faith? Because many will slip. Many will slip. Has your foot slipped in the path of faith? Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 73 and verse 2. As for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Why? I started looking around. Wow. Wow, look at these people. Look at them. They're prospering. They're prospering. They're prospering. They're prospering. As people, they're not changing, but they're prospering. And my, when I looked at it, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Three to five. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. That's why it is written, rich man died and he was buried. See, nobody knows on the other side. You only know this side. Oh, this is a huge cottage, professional mourners, everybody beating the huge procession for the rich man's burial. Lazarus, there's no trouble as other men. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease and they increase in riches. Increase in riches. Verse 13 to 17. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain, washed my hands in innocence. What is the point of repenting, 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 fasting, praying, asking Lord, cleanse me, sanctify. It's all now. Look at that fellow. He doesn't do anything. He's prospering, 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 prospering. All day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. But if I had made that my sermon, I would not have been true to the generation of your sermon, of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Verse 17. 
until I went into the sanctuary of God. Not the prosperity preachers, not that sanctuary, the sanctuary of God. You go to there, you will be never convicted at all. You will start following riches like everybody else. There's no difference between them and the world. Then I understood their end. (coughs) Continue. Surely you set them in a slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awakes. Oh Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. Suddenly, he has a revelation in the house of God. What happens to man after he dies? After he dies. So go back to Luke 16 and verse 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So it will be written about all of us one day. Unless we are alive when Jesus comes. It came to pass, James died. All the riches in the world, all the best foods in the world, all the best medication available in the world cannot protect you ultimately from death. You can delay it a little. It cannot protect you. And when that day comes, eternity begins. We have that song. I forgot that song. Pastor Shashi used to sing. When that day comes, Tu kaha hoga? Me kaha hoga? Where will I be? Where will you be? It's a very powerful song. Okay? Verse 25. Father 24. We'll come back to it. Okay, don't worry. Here is Father Abraham. Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. In life, the rich man received good things. In life, Lazarus received evil things. So in life, the rich man was comforted and in life, Lazarus was tormented. But in eternity, Lazarus is comforted and the rich man is tormented. It's reversal. The only difference was one was saved and the other was not saved. Let me tell you church, It is better to be tormented in life and yet be saved than to be comfortable in life and be lost. It is better to be poor in life and be saved and to be rich in life and to be lost. It is better to be dressed in rags and in hand-me-downs and be saved than to be dressed in designer outfits and to be lost. It is better to eat crumbs and be saved than to eat sumptuously and be lost. Remember the importance of the hope of eternal life. 
Let our hope be clear and be sure. And Peter will say, if you do these things in increasing measures, you can make your calling and your election sure. It is better to be lonely, alone, and neglected, misunderstood, and be saved, than to be dancing and partying and always have a company of friends and be lost. You should say, I would rather die clinging to the cross and be saved, and than die clinging to the crown and be lost. It is better to die in the prison saved than to die in the palace lost. The question is, when trials come, when tribulation comes, like we say in English, when life sucks and misery piles on misery, will your commitment change? Will your commitment change? Because a lot of people, it has changed. In Exodus chapter 14 and verse 12, this is what the first generation actually said. Is this not the world that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians. It was better for us. When things go wrong, when nothing seems to be happening in our life, do we start saying, it was better for me that I was never a believer. It was better for me. A lot of people have said it. A lot of people still think it. Even sitting here, you think it. It was better for me. It was better for me. It was better for me if I had not been an orphan. I have been born in a rich, happy family and be lost. Because some of you orphans would never ever have heard the gospel and got saved if you were not what you are today. Never ever heard. Yet you think it would have been better for me. Because you do not understand what eternity means. Do not know what eternity means. Many people who are listening and sitting here would have never come to God if you hadn't been hit by the rock on that head, literally, what you had gone through. You would have never, never turned and looked and cried out for help, had listened to the gospel. Because your situations, your trials, your tribulation had to make you poor, and then only you received the gospel, because the gospel is for the poor, and the rich disregard it. Numbers 14.3 Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should have should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Better. Honestly, I'm telling you. Even great men of God buckled under pressure. Under pressure. For Samuel 27, 1, the great man. And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. 
No, David, you are wrong. It is better for you to die by the hand of Saul saved than to live in the land of Philistines and be lost. If you have to choose. If you have to choose. Let me tell you, God will test our doctrine. What is that you believe? Do you really believe it? In Psalm 37, the same David will say later in verse 16, a little a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. Little. The crumbs of saved Lazarus is better than the sumptuous meal of the lost rich man. The rags of Lazarus which hardly covers his nakedness is better than the purple robe of the lost rich man. Luke 16, verse 20-21 And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Can you truly say that I would rather die with sores on my body, but my soul saved, than live with my body flawless like Absalom, but my soul full of sores and lost? Which would you prefer if you are given a choice? Body full of sores, soul whole, saved. Body flawless like Absalom, soul full of sores and lost. You know what? Much of the church prefers to be like Absalom than to be like Lazarus. If you are given a choice. Psalm 1.1 Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Would you be able to say, like Lazarus, I would rather sit in the company of dogs saved than sit in the company of scoffers, mockers, and scorners. What company will you choose? What company will you choose? Dogs are very good company. I'm telling you, one of the best creatures God created are dogs. Don't look at the, the, the dogs will be outside the kingdom. That's talking about the nature of man, which he takes from the dog. It's not talking about dogs. But dogs are the best man's best friend the most faithful, the most loving. They will give up their life to protect their master. They will go wherever. Even if they are hungry, they will follow you. They will cry more for you when you leave than your own children do. And welcome you with more joy than your spouse does. <laughs> Honestly. You have to see, because I had so many dogs right from childhood. I'm telling you, they're the most loving, not cats. Cats are selfish. Not like cats. Absolutely. The cat needs attention. The dog gives you attention. Okay. You know what, Lazarus? Sat in the company of dogs. Sat in the company of dogs. We who are saved should always live in the knowledge of the difference between time and eternity. Understand the difference. We are living in time now. We will live in eternity now. A lot of things which we do 
and have done can be reversed only in time. The decisions we have made can be reversed only in time. It cannot be reversed in eternity. And we need to live in the light of eternity. That's exactly what Colossians 3, 2 Corinthians 4. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things about on eternity. How will these things matter in eternity? If I make this choice, don't say if I, that's what all these experts you call from the corporate world will come and say, okay, talk about my company. They will say, okay, do you, how will my company be five years from now? Where do you see going 15 years from now? They'll ask you all this. So don't think about, you don't think about five years now. You ask the decisions I make, where will I be in eternity? Don't bring the corporate model because that's what I said. All are motivational speakers within the kingdom of God now. I don't know where they are in the kingdom of God, but that's what they pre- all motivational speakers. Where do you see five years from now? Where do you see your church five years now? Don't look at that. Where do you see in eternity? As a shepherd, how will I stand before God and give an account about my church? Don't know where my church will be five years from now. It's eternity that matters, not time. Can make plans for time. It, it's irrelevant because one day death will come knocking and eternity begins. Set your mind on things about, not on earthly things. It's only when you set your things on things, mind on things above, you can actually understand things below. The fragility of the things below. How short these things are. How fragile these things on which we put our weight, our hope, our heart, our mind. How how easily they are taken away. They are taken away. Put your hearts. We are talking about all that we talk about every day. How many thousands have died? It just came. Just came. Just fall dead. Young, old, children, mothers, fathers. The question is, all those who died and all those who are dying, were they really prepared for eternity? And those who died saved, did you store up anything there? Yes, you did, saved. But did you store up anything there? That's what the Bible is teaching us. Verse 3. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Second Corinthians 4.18 while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. What well, the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17, Therefore, see then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. You cannot redeem eternity. It's not redeeming eternity. You can only redeem time. Cannot redeem eternity. Can only redeem time. Redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. There, is, there are no days. Just time. Unlimited. No time. Eternity. There's no sunrise and sunset. The lamb is the sun. The lamb is the light. The land where sun never rises nor sets. Redeeming the time. Because the days are. There are no evil days there. Only good days. 
Verse 17. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, that's how the ancients lived. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That's why they are put there in the Bible. That's how they lived. Look at that powerful verses in Hebrews 11. We talk about Gideon. We talk about personalities. But we don't look at their lives. How they actually lived. They were not poor people. They were very rich people. Some question was asked on the Q&A last Saturday. Why did Gideon, he's mentioned the Hall of Fame, but he finished badly. You know why? Because he asked for gold. You be king. He said, no, I will not be. That's a good statement. After that, but he says, you know what? Give me your earrings. Give me your gold. He should have stopped there. No, I will not be. Once money came in, the trap was set. Because he was just picked from the wine press, made a leader, fought his battle, but real character had not been formed to handle the other pressure. So like we all keep saying, you hear it over and over, it is easier to die for Jesus than to live for Jesus. It is easier to pass the test of poverty than to pass the test of prosperity. These are all tests. Lazarus passed the test easily. We would have thought Lazarus failed. Rich man failed. Lazarus passed. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Incredibly rich men. Never settling down. Just moving as the spirit leads, living in tents all their life. 13 to 16. Let me have verse 10 also. We need to verse 10. I forgot verse 10. Why did they live like that? How did they live? Though they lived in time, the eyes were in eternity. For he was looking forward to the city with foundation, whose architect and builder is God. They lived in time. But the eyes was on eternity. That's why. They took their wealth as a sacred trust. Job took his wealth as sacred trust. So when the wealth was taken away, he was not upset. He was not upset. He was not upset. He said, the Lord give it, the Lord take the way. He was saying, you know what, Lord? If this is judgment, did I go wrong in how I use my wealth, Lord? Did anybody ever go hungry from mine? Did I feed the widows? Did I take care of the orphans? Did I, did I, did I, did I ever overlook the poor? That's the question she's asking. The wealth was not mine. It was yours. Naked I came, naked I went. You gave me wealth as a sacred trust. And these people are all coming and telling me I'm being judged for my sin. Lord, how did I use my wealth? Your wealth. Okay. So these rich men were rich in faith. And they had taken their wealth as a sacred trust. And they were looking into eternity. And Job had this Powerful verses about eternity. I know my Redeemer lives. Wow. The oldest book in the Bible. Even before Moses was born, Job says, I know my Redeemer lives. So Job is living in the light of the invisible. And God says, how are you living our lives? Look at Genesis 13 to 16. Powerful. About these all died in faith. Not having received the promises. But having seen them afar of eternity, were assured of them, embraced them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth, 
for those who say such things declare plainly they seek a homeland. And truly if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. If they wanted, they could go back. Everybody sitting here who was called out of the world and saved can go back. God is not stopping anybody. That is why I don't believe one saved, always saved. Because you can, I can go back. Today I can go back. God doesn't stop me. Will God stop you? No, he won't stop you. I don't want. I prefer the old life. There's more fun in it. There's no, not such pressure. I just leave me alone. If they wanted to, they could have gone back. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So they all lived preparing themselves for another life and another place. Everyone has opportunity to go back. The question is, what will you choose? Both Paul and Demas had the opportunity to go back. Paul chose the afflictions of Christ. Demas copped out and chose the temporary safety of the world. Temporary safety of the world. And he copped out and he went back. A lot of people do. And the Bible warns in the last days. You know why? Because in the last days, the world will become more and more and more glittering. More and more and more appealing. Just just look. One generation. I'm like there are three generations here. I am one generation. You are one generation. This is another generation. Between two generations. Look at what appeals our eyes. By the time they grow up. What will be life like? Can you handle it? Can you handle it? Can your eyes handle it? Can your ears handle it? Can your mind handle it? That's what the Bible is talking about. Can we handle it? And say, no, I have a better place. And I'm preparing myself for that. And to prepare for that, I will have to say no to a lot of things. And we know, understand in terms of a temporary crown, a temporary agenda, a temporary goal. You want to be an athlete. And by the way, Nadal lost yesterday. Pastor Vijay is not feeling so good. <laughs> okay. You could be the best. You still lose. You want to be a Rafael Nadal? You have to say no to a lot of children. Don't talk. I will send you right back to the parents so there are seats there available. Okay, seats are available. So you will be under the nose of your parents. You want to be under my nose or under their nose? You choose. I am more gentle, okay? okay. okay. Think about it. If you want to be an adult, if you want to excel in anything, you know how many things you have to say no to? First, starting with sleep. How many things you have to say no to? And if you have to reach there, excellent before God, do you know how many things you have to say no to in life? Go back and study that list is given. If you decide to be an overseer, a bishop, you desire a good thing. But this is the things. How many things suddenly you have to say no to? You need to study those instructions given by the Holy Spirit through Paul to the letter in Timothy and in Titus. 
what is the criteria? That's what I said, 99% of the leaders in the world today would be definitely be disqualified. And I think most leaders in the church too. I don't even either, I would be qualified. How do you presumptuous to think I am qualified? He has to say whether you're qualified. Just because I'm a pastor does not become, I will become a leader in heaven. There's no guarantee. Because on earth in times like this, extraordinary conditions, God will pick anybody. That doesn't mean you're qualified to serve God in heaven. <laughs> That's a different ball game altogether. You see, in life, we meet many people. And sometimes we pride in the big names we meet. Right? Selfie, then we post it. Okay, we post it. You know, it's a big, it's a big thing. Big names. Big names we meet. And if they, you are allowed to meet them and then you are allowed to be among those who are seated in the front row and all, boy, oh boy, you know, we feel so good. So we try to act humble, we feel very good. <laughs> the who of who of any, any, any industry, politics, movies, music, industry, anybody, well, let me ask you this question. Does it really matter? I'll tell you the answer. It does not matter who actually, who all you actually meet in life. What matters is who meets you at death. Luke 16 verse 22. It was that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried silent. Who do you think met the rich man? He was not carried. He was dragged. He was not carried. So it does not matter who you meet in life. It really matters who meets you at the portal of death. Are the angels going to carry you to the presence of God? Or are the demons going to drag you down to hell? So wait before you upload your profile on Facebook or Twitter. Your selfie. Wait. It's not over yet. Wait. The only selfie posted real is Stephen's. I see heavens open. And I see one like the son of man standing. He knew who was receiving him. It ain't going to be a demon. It's going to be a company of angels who will take me to the presence of God. So it does not matter. So don't run after all these people you want to meet on, on earth in this time, in this life, and take selfie and post it. It's irrelevant. What matters is who will meet you at death. And you can see people dying in absolute peace with their face glowing. And you can see people dying in torment. When they are dying in torment, you know who is there to receive them. Those who love in, lie in peace. Even on their face there is that peace, you know who received them. Jesus said, <laughs> it's interesting. Jesus said, so it was the beggar died. 
will you and i die a beggar will you and i be able to die as a beggar yes we will if you love as a beggar entirely dependent every day on the mercy and the grace of god so the beggar died the revelation there the beggar died and he was received by angels that's why i said your prayer life matters if you don't pray you are a rich man if you don't listen to the word and study the word and the lord speak to me you are a rich man you're a rich girl you're a rich woman and when you die there will be no company of angels to receive you if you live like a beggar and die like a beggar there will be a company of angels that will come to receive you because all your life it didn't matter what you had and who you had you were dependent upon the mercy of god and the grace of god and you were grateful is it i open would you be able to say i would rather be tormented in this life and be saved than to be comforted in this life and be lost that's what abraham said rich man no name rich man no name you were comforted in this life lazarus was tormented now lazarus is comforted i'm sorry sir you are tormented this is a huge gulf between it cannot be reversed i'm sorry i'm the father of faith but even i don't have the power to reverse it would you be able to say i would rather lose my happiness in the pursuit of holiness than lose my holiness in the pursuit of happiness oh the history of usa would have been different if the forefathers had written in that statement in their preamble to the constitution they had written pursuit of holiness instead of happiness you know why if men and women of god and children of god fall away from faith because in the pursuit of happiness they forsake holiness would you have the conviction to say i would rather lose my happiness in the pursuit of holiness yes there is going to be testings there will be sorrows there will be griefs there will be heartbreaks that is why the holy spirit is given see the holy spirit is just not a teacher we looked at him the holy spirit as a teacher he is called a comforter you don't need comfort if you don't have a heartbreak You don't need comfort if you're not going through trials and testings and tribulations for Christ Jesus sake. That's where he comes as a comforter. He is the comfort. Why do you know need comfort if there is no pain? Why do you need comfort if there is no sorrow? Why do you need comfort if there is no grief? Why is God then called the God of all comfort? Lazarus is now comforted. rich man is now tormented being a child of god does not protect us from grief from trouble not even sickness it does not protect you from sickness second timothy 4:20 paul paul apostle paul i can't believe this paul erastus stayed in corinth but trophimus i left in miletus sick 
These are not just words. Go on to Google. I did last night looking at Miletus. The pictures, images are there. These are real places. <laughs> I said, oh, I looked at all these places. Miletus I forgot because it's only, I think, once mentioned over there. Let me look at the image. Yes, Greek city. All in Turkey now. <laughs> Miletus. Paul with all the anointing. Wait a minute, Paul. Doesn't your handkerchief taken from your body heal people? Yes. What did you do with Trophimus? Left him sick. Just because you are a child of God or a servant of God, that does not mean you you have protection from sickness always. No. No. God does not guarantee these things. He can. But he doesn't guarantee. Either prosperity or health to everyone. He does not. Change your theology. (laughs) Exodus 4.12 Health and wealth preachers, change your theology. Uh, uh, Verse 11. Not 12, verse 11. The Lord said to him, who made man's mouth? Who makes the mute? The deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I? The Lord? Have not I? Who made? Who made the mute? Who made the deaf? Who made the sea or the blind? I, God said, I did. Lord, you make blind people? Yes, I do. Why? Because I'm God. I'll do whatever I want to do. Who are you to tell me? You made the lame? Yes, I did. You made the mute? Yes, I did. I was telling on Thursday at the Nepali meeting. I said, Amlu won't be Amlu when she dies. Chandu won't be Chandu when he dies. When they die, suddenly Amlu will have a completely different body one day. The twinkling of an eye when eternity begins. Not when she dies, but eternity begins. We won't understand. Everybody will enter eternity together. These are things which we don't understand. Just believe it. (laughs) You know what? And I said, when that day she gets a body and she's perfect in her soul, in her body, in a twinkling of an eye, then she will look at, I said, Nagina, mommy and all. Mommy, thank you for taking care of me. I wanted to say it, but I couldn't. Now I want to thank you for taking care of me. That's why God said, be careful how you deal with them. You think it's a test for them? No, it's a test for you. It's a test for you. It's not a test for them. It's a test for you how you deal with them. A world has come where all the children with these issues can be aborted. Laws are being passed. Down syndrome, aborted. Any issues, aborted. Lord, why is my baby in the womb? It's the doctor is saying Down syndrome. Test for you. Are you rich or are you poor? You see, everything is subject to the sovereignty of God. Who made them mute? God did. Who made them deaf? God did. Who made them blind? God did. Who made them lame? God did. So don't ever serve God an ultimatum. (laughs) You and I know God can. He's all-powerful, all-seeing, all-knowing. I know he can. 
But if he doesn't, do we have the doctrine of Daniel's three friends? I know he can. But if he doesn't, still I will only serve him. Still I will only bend. Put it in your own situation. I know he can heal my marriage. But if he doesn't, I know he can turn my children around in a second if he wants. But if he doesn't, I know he can change my job and give me a good job where I don't have to live hand to mouth. But if he doesn't, I know he can heal me, my body sickness and my body which I've been carrying for years in a second. But if he doesn't, don't serve God an ultimatum. Be careful. Would I and you be able to truly say if he does not, not one thing will change in my life. It will not change my faith. It will not change my prayer life. It will not change my devotion to him. It will not change my commitment to the church. I will only grow in all these things. I will not turn back. Would we be able to say with Daniel's three friends, I would rather go to the furnace saved than to stand on the ground lost. That's what they actually said. And that's why they saw the fourth man walking with them. Luke 10, 21, Jesus said, don't rejoice over all these things. In that hour, uh, 20, 20, 20. 20, not 21, 20. Jesus said, do not rejoice over these things. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in these that some spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Every day when you get up, what is the first thing you need to say? Lord, thank you. I was born. That's not enough. Lord, thank you. I am born again. Because everyone in eternity in the lake of fire will curse the fact they were born. Curse the fact they were born. They will wish, oh Lord, I was not born. Because now I cannot die. Even when the judgment of God is being poured about earth in Revelation, people want to die but cannot die. Because even that privilege is taken away. That's who God is. So we thank God every day. Lord, I thank you. I am alive. I thank you, Lord. I have the hope of eternal life, Lord. Nothing can beat it, Lord. Nothing. So what is all these temporary things I'm complaining about? What is it? Nothing. So every day God says rejoice. Wake up rejoicing that your name is written in heaven. Not on earth. Everybody is running around to get their names written some paper on earth. Appointment letter. Waiting, waiting. My name appointed. Oh, we jump, we dance. Lottery, your name. Marriage proposal, your name. God said, don't rejoice over these things. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Is your name written in heaven? Truly, truly written in heaven. Luke 12, verse 15. Jesus says, don't judge anybody by their positions. He said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. That's how we judge people. Wow, look at him. 
Wow, look at him. Last year he was driving this model. This year, look, he changed his car. Even when we are young, unsaved, studying in college, those years in the 80s, early 80s, you know, you know what? You do not even know. In those days, there were only two designer labels mentioned in India. One was called DB, Double Bull. The other was called Charak Dims. DB and CD. And all these guys, millionaire families, all will have this DB and CD. Now for me, DB is dosa batter. (laughs) 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 Okay. Those days, boy, you used to borrow a DB from your college hostel mates and then would be so upset if somebody did not see that label. Names, names, names. Does it really matter? The abundance of things, does it really matter? Don't judge a man or a woman by the abundance of things and says, wow, I want to be like, how happy they must be. That's what we say. They must be so happy. Really? That's what everybody thought about the rich man. How happy. Now he's in torment. The guy who wasted so much food on his table and said, take the crumbs and feed it to the dogs and Lazarus. He drank wine and threw wine. Now he said, one drop of water, please. One drop to quench my thirst. One drop. these things really, really matter in eternity? Live in the light of eternity. So do not judge a man or a woman by the abundance of things they possess. On the other hand, Luke chapter 3 and verse 6. Judge, Acts chapter 3 verse 6. Judge him or her by what or who possesses him. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I have, I do give you. You know what I have? I have Christ. Christ has me. Judge a person, a man or a woman, by what he has and who possesses him. Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds have nests. The son of man does not have a place to lay his head. Or do you know what possessed him? John 2.17, do you know what possessed him? He said, the zeal for my father's house has eaten me up. What possesses you? What possesses you? We want to pride about all our achievements and all our possessions. Can we actually pride that God owns me? God owns me. I am his and he is mine. And zeal for his house possesses me. Zeal for him possesses me. Doctrine matters, children. Doctrine matters. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 15. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. The doctrine of Balaam. The doctrine of money. The doctrine of prosperity and health every time, all time. This is the will of God for you. 
the more you follow that, the more miserable, angry and dissatisfied you become with life. Because it does not matter. Once you swallow that, it does not matter how much you have. You are never satisfied. And once you reach the top, all you want to, want to do is break down every rung of the, dollar, of the ladder so that nobody reaches your level anymore. That's it. Read Julius Caesar. And Brutus will say that. I cannot remember where Batman it was 20, 30 years ago. But he says something like, you reach the top climbing on the shoulders of so many people. And once you reach there, you are kicking to see that nobody reaches your level. That's what happens to billionaires. Go higher, higher, higher. You want to be the richest in India, then the richest in Asia, then the richest in the world. And after that, nobody should catch up. You just die empty. Die empty. And God wants to save us from all this. That's the doctrine of Balaam. The way of Balaam. The doctrine of Balaam. Who loved the wages of unrighteousness. That's why God says, leaders everywhere should not be a lover of money. Because it is very, very difficult in a fallen world to become rich through the narrow way. Not that you cannot be, but it is not easy. You will have to cut corners. And God says, do you want to be rich that way? It's a test for you. Test for you. First Timothy 6.6 6. Now, godliness with contentment is a great gain. And verse 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Those who desire to be rich, the devil offers this temptation to us every time. No, in our own churches around the world, there are many, 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 literally hundreds over the years who have come off the streets. They were prostitutes, they were drug kings, they were drug peddlers, and they're constantly, now they have come, they left that life, they have come in, and you know what the temptation is this? To go back to your old life. You are struggling now. Trying to learn a new skill. Trying to learn to live with very, very little hand to mouth. Very struggling. But you are used to a good life. If I go back to the streets for one day, you know what? I can make a wad of money. And they're always calling you, come back, come back. Why do you want to live like that? Come back. You can make money. Can I go back pushing drugs? One week I can make enough. I had so many letters from them over the years down to this year of a couple of weeks back where they say, tempted pastor, tempted to go back, tempted to go back. This life is difficult. Tempted to go back. It is easy, but it is not honest. This hats off to them who stand there and fight it out. Lord, no. No dishonest gain. Lord, no. Because eternity is coming. When time is no more, eternity begins and everything will matter. That is what faith is. To say no. 
That's what I said, Hebrews 11.35, the transition in Hebrews 11. Women received the dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. And all these people I mentioned now in our churches belong to that category. They could have been delivered out of that misery, out of that poverty they are living in. But God is not working a miracle in their lives. Oh, you came out of the streets, I'm so happy. How much money did you make when you were in the streets? Around $1,000 a day. No problem. You came into the kingdom, I will give you 2000 Just name it and claim it. He said, no. You live the hard way. But I promise you, you live that way, remain faithful to the end. Eyes haven't seen, no ears heard what I'm preparing for in eternity. Your rewards cannot be measured. It cannot be countered. Stay loyal to me. Stay faithful to me. Don't pursue happiness at the cost of holiness. Maybe it is written in your constitution. It is not written in my word. And one day, my word will triumph over everything else. Women receive their dead back. We love that. Men shut the mouth of lions, but others allowed lions to eat them up because they refused deliverance. Because when they looked at the price, Daniel's three friends, all the princes of Judah, looked at the price. If you bend our knee before and worship this idol, dumb idol, we can live. The three friends looked at it and said, if we bow, eternity, we will die. I would rather die now than die in eternity. I would rather lose in time than lose in eternity. That they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings. Yes, of chains and imprisonment. Everybody was offered deliverance. Join the CCP. You can go free. Chinese Communist Party. Be a loyal member. Deny your God. Throw that book. Take this red book. You shall be free. No. You know what your sentence is? Yes. What? Hard labor. It's okay. I'm not alone. I can never be alone. He is there with me. And you remember, you never should forget the daily readings you get. Still stunned by that man who goes in that labor camp in that atrocious prison where he goes and asks, can I have this duty? He said, what? To clean the refuse of all the people in the prison. The toilet where it is taken and thrown. Nobody wants that. He says, can I have it? Even the guards won't come there because the stench is so deep. They stay far away. Do you know why he chose it? Because he said, there, I can worship and sing loudly. Nobody will hear me and I won't get beaten for worshiping God. In the prison, among the others, I have to sing softly. But there I can sing. What do you think his reward is going to be in eternity? Whatever his name, Kim Sung Yang, come here. You lead worship in heaven. Lord, I just made a joyful sound. I'm not a singer. Don't worry. Here, take the voice. Take the talent. You sing. How long, Lord? Maybe for 2,000 years. You lead worship. And Lord, who... Angels will follow you. I put you above them. They kept their eyes on eternity. And they said, no.
They were stoned. They were sawn into two. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. Till today, they live like that. Tens and thousands of them. Verse 37. Yeah, yeah, there. Destitute, afflicted, tormented. Would you be able to say that? I would rather be destitute, afflicted and tormented and be saved than be comforted, happy with wards of cash and be lost. Understand the gospel. Don't believe one side which is always false. When they tell you only one side of the coin and never tell you the other side. Would you, what would you choose? Will you be destitute, afflicted and tormented and be saved? Happy, healthy, wealthy and be lost. What will you choose? They made a choice. I would rather be alone at the altar at the foot of the cross than to be found dancing with the multitude around the golden calf. Or rather live at the bottom of the ladder saved than live at the top of the ladder lost. What will you choose? I would be alone and miserable. Alone and miserable and be saved. Than be happy and be yoked to an unbeliever and be lost. Think. Yoked to an unbeliever, comfortable and lost. Comfortably lost. I would rather be alone and miserable and be saved. Let's put it the other way. I would rather be married to a believer and be miserable and be saved than to be married to an unbeliever, be comfortable and be lost. See, the gods of this world can promise you many, many things and give it to you too. One thing he cannot promise you is eternal life. None of the gods of this world can promise you eternal life. Tell me one God who promises you eternal life in this world. From any religion, from ancient past on to one God who promises you eternal life. They cannot. So only one who can promise you eternal life. That is Jesus. So it doesn't matter, Psalm 17 and verse 5. It doesn't matter how long and deep the valley is, how high the mountain I have to climb, how dark and long the night may be, yet for me, I will see your face in righteousness. You know what? When I awake, when I pass through the portal of the gateway of death, I shall be satisfied. Because I will awake in your likeness. It is well with my soul. 
I don't mind. You should be able to say, I don't mind how much I suffer loss in this life. If it is all gain on the other side. Look at the actual. Actual. And if you go back to Luke 16, where we started, if you're given a choice, what would you choose? Would you be Lazarus? Hungry? Dressed in rags? Swords from head to foot? Sitting with dogs? And saved? And saved? Or would you be the rich man? Living in luxury? In a mansion? Wardrobe full? Garage full? Refrigerator full? Dress in purple, designer clothing. Eat sumptuously. And it's lost. God says, if this is set before you, what will you choose? You know what the enemy did? He just flipped the coin and changed the gospel. He said, no, this is the will of God. Your will of God is to live like the rich man. And angels will come and take you. God says, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I'm not saying God doesn't bless people. God doesn't make people rich. I'm not saying any of those things. But he doesn't bless people, most people with riches. Because most people cannot pass the test of prosperity. Cannot. The simple thing is this. Look at this. Let us say, let's put figures for easy figures. Let us say you make 10,000 rupees a month or $1,000 a month, whichever you want to look at. If you're not faithful with 10,000 rupees, can God trust you with 100,000? Can God trust you with 100,000? Very careful in how you spend on self. And very generous in how you spend on others. Can God trust you? Can God trust you? That's a simple question. Now you need to understand why God. And God loves us so much. So that you're not saved. God loves us so much. So you know what he says? I'll just give you enough. You are my child. I love you. You are my child. I love you. Therefore, I won't destroy you. I won't destroy you. And riches are irrelevant. Most Christians and most of the third world are very poor. Very poor. But they really love God. They love God. They really love God. That's why God says, don't judge anybody by the abundance of their possessions. You're getting it all inwards. inwards. Because the problem is, one is called the beggar. The other is called the rich man. And the beggar died. The rich man also died. Rich man's burial is mentioned because it's all on this side of earth. Poor man's burial is... Who, 
who worries about a poor man? Gandhi hospital, you go. So many are dying. If it is a relatively rich man, there are family willing to collect. Poor man, government buries. Nobody to collect the body. One tag, crematorium. Lazarus died. Thing is married. Nobody to mourn over him. No funeral cottage. Nothing is mentioned about the burial. Because all these things are important. On this burial is important. People before the die will also pick their spot and what kind of gravestone, what has to be written on it. <laughs> As if it matters. The only thing that matters is who received you. <laughs> on that side. Who received you? That's what matters. So it does not matter if you go to what Abraham tells him. It does not matter. Lazarus was tormented in this life, comforted on the other side, because he was saved. Rich man had a very good life on this side, but now he's tormented. Not because he was rich, but because he was not rich towards God. Not rich towards God. Lazarus was rich towards God. We do not know. We under, have to look at the full picture. Maybe when he got crumbs, he shared it with other beggars. Hey, today the rich man gave me. He likes me. He sent me some, some pieces. Some pieces. Let me tell you a real story I heard a pastor talk about his grandmother. He says his grandmother was a single mother. Husband was alcoholic, abandoned the house and gone. And she had to raise up her children. Very godly woman. And he said she, she worked as a waitress in a hotel. In a, in a restaurant and uh, to feed her children she said when there were leftovers in the restaurant the steak and all she would use the knife and cut off the portion which was beaten and wrap the rest and take home for her children that's how she brought up her children and she said as time went on there was a very rich man who met her and fell in love with her and she had this choice if she marries him life is a dream but she said no, because he was not saved. And continued to live the hard knock life because she said, look into eternity, this is not worth it. This is not worth it. This is not worth it. That's what God is talking about. Eternity, will it be worth it? Every decision you make, every choice you make today, starting today, whatever it is about, just ask this question, Lord, how will it factor in eternity? How will it factor in eternity? The choices I make, the decisions I make on anything, Lord, show me eternity. Lord, when I go through all this, it is well with my soul. The Spirit of God is there with me. I am comforted. In my grief, I am comforted. As we close, let's read always my favorite lines, Revelation 21, 1 to 5. For those who stood for these things, looking into eternity, those who fought that good fight and refused to compromise, were beaten, scourged, went through horror in life, pain, sorrow, grief, for Christ Jesus' sake, not for their sins, for Christ Jesus' sake, for them, I saw a new heaven, a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And also there was no more sea. Then I saw John, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. Now look, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Look at the next verse. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Because they have gone through sorrow, grief, for his sake. Because they hope for a better sin. They refuse to accept deliverance in their workplace. They refuse to accept deliverance in the public place. Because they refuse to compromise. They refuse to accept deliverance in their homes, in their classrooms, in their universities. They refused. You know, if you are parents and you have little children, you will know. Little children go to play school and they fall, they cry. And the teacher, whatever this thing. When they come back home and they see the parents, parents say, what happened? Like, five hours ago. <laughs> it's not hurting. But seeing the father or the mother, they cry. And the mother says, that's what's happening in heaven. <laughs> Everybody will cry. Come here. I was there. I saw you. I was. You didn't see me, but I saw you. I was right there. With you. Okay? I promise you. No sorrow. No more. No more sorrow. No more grief. No more death. You. Me. Forever. I shall be your father. You sh- That is. This is not Walt Disney. This is genuine truth. And they lived happily. Ever. It's a false picture. Oh, this poor girl married this rich man and they lived happily. No, no. Not true. Not true. This is the poor remained poor, many. Could they refuse to accept a deliverance by marrying a crook who was rich? He said, no. He doesn't believe. He doesn't go to church. He's not interested in prayer. He's not interested in anything about God. Okay, if I marry him, my life will be easy. All the troubles in my life is, I will have an easy life. But he says, no. I'll continue the way I am. Because on the other side, there's something that is written. They lived happily ever after. That is forever and ever. That's a choice we have to make. Okay? So understand, these are all tests. The test of money is probably easily the biggest, the most difficult test. God says, will you and I pass it? I leave it open-ended. And we shall pray. Father, this morning we just want to thank you, we just want to praise you, we just want to worship you, Lord. Oh, the criteria for eldership in the church if it is so strict and the bar is so high, what will be the caliber of the overcomers in heaven? What all have they overcome and come before thy throne, thy judgment seat, that you tell them, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy and take charge of cities, of nations, of countries, 
Oh, Father. Help us not to cop out. And accept, accept the easy deliverance on earth. You were also offered that even before you began your ministry. Before you preached your first sermon, the devil came and said, bow down and worship me. I'll give this all to you. You don't have to go through the cross. You don't have to go through the contempt of the people. You don't have to go to the rejection of these people. You don't have to be known as a man of sorrows. You can be known as a man of charisma. Man of great reputation and power. Man of wealth. Man of personality. Man of great following. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. And we know, Lord, in the past 2,000 years, many have succumbed within the body of Christ to that temptation. But in eternity, we do not know what their end was. Your son refused. He said, no, for it is written. Man shall worship only God and serve him alone. For no man can serve two masters. It is impossible. Impossible. You're telling us again. Guard our heart from covetousness. Guard our heart. Cannot pursue two things at the same time. Either it is holiness or it is happiness. What God gives is supernatural. It's not happiness. It is the joy of the Holy Spirit in the midst of the pain. It's the peace of the Holy Spirit in the middle of the storm. It's a righteousness that cannot be earned, appropriated only by faith. The world cannot give us that. The enemy cannot offer us that. But you can. And we choose you over and above everything else, Lord, today. Oh, Father, let people make a decision today, the twelfth day of the fourteenth year, the twelfth day of the sixth month, make a resolution. I choose Christ. And I choose cross. I would rather cling to the cross and be saved than cling to the crown and be lost. doesn't matter whatever happens. I can say it is well with my soul. It may be not well with my body. I miss meals. Afflicted with sicknesses. Problems within and outside. But there's rest in my soul. And I can sing with the hymn writer. It is well with my soul. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Come in the rest of the day and all your children around the world. And I thank God for every man and woman who came off the streets and have taken that decision and stood faithful till today. Oh, Lord, strengthen them even more that no one will cop out and go back. Because, yes, that's a lifestyle they were used to. It is easy to make money that way. But, Lord, the price they will pay in eternity is too high. No one will go that route. No one will go that route. They will stay steadfast. Oh, Father.
Agrippa, Felix, all kept Paul in chains, hoping that he would pay the money so they could release him. He said, no. He refused. Continued to remain in chains. Continued to remain in detention because he did not accept an easy release. Help and make us men and women of that caliber. Will not cop out. 30 days, no prayer. Daniel said, no. How rather die saved praying than love lost not praying. Help us to make those decisions because we have this cloud of witnesses who have gone before us and above all we have Christ himself looking unto Christ Jesus who looking at the joy set before him in eternity endured in time the cross. Help us not to give up eternity looking at the temporary relief offered by the enemy in time. Because as the writer in the Bible says in the book of Revelation says, there is a time coming when there will be no time. And who will carry us when that day begins for us? Who will carry us? Will be carried and escorted by angels to your presence or will be dragged by demons to hell today? God says, choose. Choose today. Oh, Father, we just thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. We choose Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I just want to thank you. I just want to praise you. I just want to worship you, Lord. For your life. Because every day of your life, for our sake, you said no. And said yes to the Father. The will of the Father. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, you said yes to the Father, no to the devil. Even on the cross, you said no to the devil and yet said yes to the Father for our sake. And therefore, we can say now no to the devil and yes to you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Speak your comfort, the comfort of the Holy Spirit upon all who are going through rough times, grief and sorrows of pain and suffering. Oh, they let them experience the real, true comfort of the Holy Spirit. For one day, the Father himself will wipe our tears. And our sorrows and griefs will be gone. And there will be no death. And we will live with him. And we will live for him forever and ever. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.